Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. It is our absolute pleasure this week to welcome Ed O'Hart to the podcast. She is a multi-talented and multi-passionate artist, and I really hope that you enjoy the talk that we got to have together. Laura sent over a bunch of your music and I was listening to it all last night. And so of course I want to ask you about that, but mainly I was intrigued because you do and zillion other things as well. And so I'm like, I want to talk to you about all of it. Super cool. Thank you. And thanks to Laura also. She's amazing. Actually. Oh my gosh. Such a good human being. Like she was actually, she was the first music journalist who wrote about me. It's how we became friends like forever ago. I felt very validated. I was like, oh, yeah. someone listened to the thing. Yeah. That I made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's something that's something I was saying to her. I was like, you know, people that their thing is just listening are so invaluable, you know, and not as celebrated as they should be. I mean, it really is a talent, an ability, a skill um, to just listen to people um, and help people feel heard. You know, um, yes. It's, yes, it's amazing. Yes. And I like that you highlighted that, that like in every conversation you, I mean, people trade off, but like a really valuable part is allowing people to be heard mm -hmm. already. I'm like, Oh, that, that makes me feel really special hearing that too. <laughs> you should, you should, you should, you know, I had a therapist for about seven years and she's like amazing. And She's a big deal now, and so um, I have to share her with the world. I mean, she was always a big deal, but now she's like on Showtime and things. Um, oh my god! So, yeah, so she's amazing. But you know, I just would, I would sit there and talk to her and pour out this and that, and you know, every now and again, it would just occur to me that these things were hitting a surface that is permeable. Mm -hmm. The body is permeable. Ears are permeable. I mean, obviously, that's the point of sound. I mean, that's why we have vinyl. That's, you know, we're right. etching these sounds onto a surface. And um, it just hit me like, I hope she's okay. Oh, you know, I hope, I hope this isn't too much. I hope she's not too tired, you know, and not to get all codependency. <laughs> um, yeah, for real. I mean, like, you know, not to not to go off the deep end into another another thing, but you know, it's like thinking about that though. Thinking about the work that people are doing. Thinking thinking about the work that people are doing that is not always as obvious um, as to the level of difficulty that you know it actually takes to achieve it. Well. You know? And it's also, it's not like one would go about just advertising, you know, I held space today. Like you're not going to make that tweet. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, people should though. You know what? I tweeted a little while ago because I was like, this is what should happen. I was like, you know what? Um, kudos to myself for being nice to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, just holler, holler to me 
good job me, yay me. I, I think that maybe if we celebrated those basic human interactions more, if we, you know, if we made that more important, that there are people holding space for each other, listening to each other, doing the work of um, allowing a society that is full of people that are heard. Like if we were doing that more, some things might be different, you know? I think everybody needs a therapist, basically. I mean, I, I did see a tweet that like therapists need therapists and those therapists need Fiona Apple. And I did disagree. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really happy Fiona Apple came back because um, like every other, you know, baby of the era, I just thought her music was and is so incredible. Yes. Um, really, really well-written. You know, I loved her writing reminded me a little bit of Paul Simons, just because mm. there's people that just kind of talk about whatever's going on. And um, it's like some of the best poetry, people that are like, this happened on Tuesday, I was going here, this person said this to me, and I, you know, I love it. I love that. Yeah, that's actually, I hadn't made that connection. I listened to Simon and Garfunkel a ton as a small child, which made me yeah. really popular. Um, <laughs> I <bet it> did. <laughs> Oh yeah, people were really, really into that. Um, that's awesome. But that storytelling aspect, and I like that. I was watching. Um, oh my god, now I'm embarrassing myself because I was like, I was watching the video that you made where you're covered in cool hologram material. <laughs> oh snap! Wait, what's that? I'm I'm always covering myself in something. Is that a Buto video? It's it's yes. one of the fire Buto videos. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I okay. love like you were telling a story in so many ways when you said like storytelling. I was like, oh gosh, that really is like Paul Simon. And then I was thinking about what I was watching, and I was like, fire. Yeah, you had told a story in so many ways, and I was like, that's fascinating to me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was um, doing that fire buto series at a time that I really wanted to embody language. You know, I had I had kind of this movement um, from writing through to other genres of um, creative making of of art making, and you know, I hit the performance art um, arena and. I really wanted to continue embodying language and Buteau was perfect. I don't know if you are, um, I feel like a lot of people are at this point, but at that time it Buteau, uh, Buteau mm -hmm. um, wasn't as well known as I think it is at this point. Um, it's always growing in popularity and, you know, awareness and so on. But, um, I felt pretty proud to be bringing this particular aspect of language into Buteau. So talking in my pieces, mm -hmm. um, singing, performing, and having created my own soundtracks, um, yeah. which I don't think anybody else was doing, and bringing in, you know, some of the hand language that you see in, you know, like Italian culture and even... Yeah. Yeah, and like in a more distilled um, fashion, um, Indian culture. So the hand mudras and stuff that you'll see in classical Indian dance and so on. Um, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for thanks for watching that. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, I was fascinated. Be 
I'm going to cough a lot because I'm allergic to trees and there's oh a lot outside my house and it's summertime. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful for where I live during a pandemic. I'm like, I, I'm, I have the privilege of staying safe and I'm like, I can stay safe inside my home minus the sneezing and coughing because there's trees right outside it. Oh but like, God. aside from that bit, that's that's super that's super cool though that's super cool I live not too far away from a park also so um you know I get to I get to do that too but incidentally I have 34 plants um in my apartment right now yeah I used to want to be a botanist it was the first thing I ever wanted to become um yeah so I I love I love the the flora (laughs) I was here like we are we're friends. I mean, the yeah. We talk. I, I hug trees and I didn't know it was a thing that people mocked. I just felt like they're alive. Uh-huh. They're listening. I, I love you. You know, I I can get um, behind that. There was a book that a friend lent me about how plants communicate with each other. And I found that fascinating. Oh, wow. It was talking about especially like the root systems of trees. Of oh, yeah. How they communicate about like where water is and where nutrients are and things like that. Um, and so I think that that's perfectly reasonable to hug plants and to oh, talk to them. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's just like. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Have you, seen, have you seen the tests they do or the little experiments where they'll keep one plant in a room and just like say mean things to it? And then keep another plant in another room and just say mean things or nice things to that one. Yeah. And they like, they're getting the same light pretty much. And, you know, they water them the same and stuff. And the one that they're mean to just starts to like die and is stunted and stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, my daughter's always like, well, mom, can they hear you? Because, you know, I'm talking to them. Um, because uh-huh. because I'm crazy. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, I, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking to them. You know, because they're they're living things, and you know, and so I I want to put good energy into their space. And she's like, "Can they hear you?" And I'm like, "I I think so." Uh huh. Well, and that's that's so interesting what you said about like putting putting good energy into your space, and also like acknowledging that things can hear you. A friend of mine was saying that um, he caught his daughter yelling at Alexa and realized <laughs> that the reason she was, she was like two at the time, <laughs> was that he had yelled at Alexa and he was like, oh my God, I'm modeling bad behavior. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Oh my gosh. that's I know, right? It's um, when you think about like Star Trek, which is also kind of a a super geeky thing to have been into at some point. But like, I just realized when you said that, that I don't really remember anybody in Star Trek, like getting really frustrated with the computer. Yeah. um, And being like, computer, I asked you already. I like, why aren't you doing that or something, you know? Um, Yeah. They were very polite to their technology. They were, they were. So that's interesting. Maybe that was a sign. Maybe it was a suggestion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the quarantine's getting to me, but I did get um I finally got a robot vacuum because see aforementioned because of allergies. I'm like constantly oh, wow. sweeping and cleaning. Um but I really like it and I realized on its like first little trip out, I was following it around so I could like teach it how to maneuver around things and I was like 
wow, I'm already forming an emotional attachment to my robot vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. That's what we are. You know, that's what we do. We we form attachments. Yeah. You know, we're 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 alive. We're people. We form we form attachments. That's that's what we do. And um, saying that right now, I'm of course thinking and feeling super down and distraught thinking about um george floyd's brother and how he you know was giving his testimony in front of congress and saying there's just like one part where he's saying specifically that he just wishes he could have his brother back and it's it's particularly crushing to me in this moment that i think about just our human connection to each other and to those we love and stuff and so i i kind of just want to um put put that moment out there and be and be respectful to it because you know i think that if nothing else this pandemic is reminding us that we 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 are thinking feeling connecting creatures you know yes yes and yeah, holding holding space for that, it's it's been heart wrenching. I can I can I can imagine. I mean, you have been probably I imagine maybe meeting with clients who wanted to talk about th- that with you, or were having um, a reaction to it or something. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, everybody has. Like, it's been my clients. It's been everybody. Like, I think that what you said, you know, we're connecting creatures and to see cruelty in that way, to see connection cut off in that way. Like the only word that I could think of is heart wrenching is that like, it goes against like what we do as people. Like we're here to connect with each other. We're here to support each other. And to see something that flies in the face of that, like, I think everyone's upset is completely justified. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think, Something that I'd love to see and that I think your podcast is um, sort of a great um, pivot or I don't know what word I'm looking for, an instigator for is, you know, I'd love if people saw the different inputs we have, saw more of of the inputs we have, right? I think the thing is for whatever reason, and you know, I'm this is something that we talked about, you know, a lot in grad school. I did, I did my master's at NYU in this mm-hmm. weird interdisciplinary studies called performance studies that, you know, um, it just has a lot of different fields in it, critical yeah, theory yeah. on race and gender and, you know, language theory and all this stuff. Right. And it seems as though we're, we've kind of gotten away from an awareness of ourselves in European American culture as intersensorial beings, intersensorial Ooh. creatures. So, you know, because because when we start thinking about this, and then we think about loss, or we think about joy, you know, then we start to recognize that it's magnified because we have all these inputs. So. Mm-hmm. Some of us, you know, can see because, you know, we also have to think that not everybody is abled in, you know, different ways, but seeing and tasting and hearing and, um, you know, all these different senses that are just different inputs, 
right? And so when there's a loss like that, it's affecting us in this magnified way. When we witness cruelty, when, you know, when we're expressing our distress and things like this, um, there's so many places it goes into. And it's part of this whole why not both thing, because it is both. It's more than both. It's it's all the things all the time. Um, and that's really what we're experiencing. So, okay, back to Butoh. So, <laughs> no, I like yeah, this I, is this I is, like all of these journeys. This is this, this is how I am, Pam. But um, <laughs> Your galaxy back, brain yeah. is seen by my galaxy brain. Listen, I love this. <laughs> listen. So, so back to Butoh. Um, Butoh's brilliant, right? It kind of showed up in 1960s Japan as this reaction to the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You know, I've talked to some Japanese friends and been like, what was that time like for your parents, your family? What what do people say? And one of my friends, this girl named Akiko, mm -hmm. specifically, I remember her saying, it's just a big blank. And so I kept thinking about the obliteration of sense and stimuli around an event this devastating and things that force us to lose language, lose the ability to communicate. Yeah. And, and so Bouteau is super fascinating, right? It's sometimes described as this attempt by the Japanese at this time to rescue something that they thought was fundamentally human. And one of the things that people do when they are doing a Bouteau piece is they're attempting to transform, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to become another state of being, of not being, just becoming something. You can do a Bouteau piece in which you're a cat, in which you're a crazy person. Bouteau is um, taken with madness and with horror. So there are pieces about Auschwitz and, you know, it's also taken with stellar kind of a, a conversation. So literal stars and the moon and, and, and things like that. And the way wow. a person, the way a person crafts a Bouteau piece traditionally is it's a poem that's written. So you are, you're dancing a poem and Bouteau is perfect for me for this because I'm like, okay, I'm a poet. I'm not trained in dance, but I don't have to be because I'm going to come and be this poem. I'm going to embody this poem. I'm going to embody language and language is going to cause my body to move. And so this is all going to connect full circle. When I started teaching Bouteau, mm -hmm. one exercise I kind of came up with was overloading a person with direction and mm -hmm. with stimuli. And it's super, it be, it's super interesting and it's super fascinating what happens to a person's body when there's an excess of communication, an excess of things to parse, an excess of things to say. It's like you watch somebody seized. You yeah. watch someone floating. And um, gosh, I just think that sometimes that's where we all are. Yeah, that what you just described of that overload. And when you were talking about being intrasensory, I do think that that's such an important thing to bring up is that not only is it cognitive information, but we're gleaning so much sensory and emotional information. And especially now that there's such an availability of it, like I feel like so much of this has gone on for so long in our world 
but now we're capable of seeing it and sharing it within like an instant. And it's like, how, how do we process it? And like you said, sometimes people seem like they seize up, like it's, it's too much to take in at once and process. I think that's, I think that's it. I think, I think that, you know, there have been these riots and, you know, people are burning things and it's like, yeah, it's too much. Yeah. It's, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to, and I think like with the burning of things and with physical expression, there are some things that I feel are beyond words that words are, it's not going to touch necessarily. I love, I love that you said that. Um, Cause I think that that also gets at this space of why not both. Um, Cause we're, we're really trained. I think we grow up and it's like, there's a lot of focus on say what you mean. You know, you tell your kid, I don't know if you mean kids. Um, but <laughs> I, I am a professional crazy aunt. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Close, clo- close enough. Cause we, we rely on those. Um, but you know, you tell, you tell the kids, um, use your words. And I think it's important to recognize that there's, there's more than words. There's, there's just the, the body. Okay. I'm going to tell another horrible story. Um, forgive me, but you know, sometimes it's important to put things that are real into this, into, into the world. I I think it's, it's, it's good to be honest, right? Because, because I think we want a world that's closer to what people need. So we need to know more what's around, but yes, I, so I was part of this program for a while um, when I was much younger teaching, like teaching poetry to kids in inner cities, Mm -hmm. you know, who were like from underserved backgrounds and the whole thing. And I remember I was teaching the second grade class and they were like the most well-behaved class I've ever been in. They were like such little angels. Um, And I'll never forget how loving they were. Children are amazing. Um, But there was this one student who was a lot older than the other students and he had just been really ill-treated and maltreated growing up. And um, his parents had, or his foster parents rather, had like thrown him in a room and just kind of left him there. And so he hadn't really gotten to interact with people. Um, and he couldn't really talk. Oh, I, don't, I don't think there was anything wrong with his um, like biophysiology or whatever you want to call it, his, you know, but he just had not gotten the ability to transform his expressions and so on into conversation with other people. Like there's this practice, you know what I mean? Like it's a practice, like we have to do it. Like, like all this stimuli and stuff, you know, we get trained by holding space, by recognizing that there's different ways of communicating and it just helps. It gives us all this gift of being able to interact with one another, you know, and not to not be alone. Yeah. Well, and neglect like that, like can cause people to not necessarily never develop the ability to speak, but if you aren't stimulating those parts of uh, our brains are basically wired to speak. And if you don't develop those, those, those parts just kind of lay dormant. 
they yeah. aren't exercised and that's so sad like that's why neglect can be so harmful yeah it, it, in psych terms it's called failure to thrive it literally yeah. is just like the person is there but it, it's like that hasn't been switched on essentially yeah. and so the components are all there but it's so oh god it's so sad when i hear about that because yeah that can happen with kids that are very neglected yeah, it was it was a really long time ago, but he will never leave me. I'll I'll never forget. And you know, um I think that that's another reason that I think about creating in different media, you know, not just one and I feel like, you know, that's how people affect you in in more than one way. Yeah. Yeah because it can be your words, it can be even your affect, like the way that you say things, like when people talk about, um, like even the concept of tone policing, things like that, where, oh, wow. I, I, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but I think of the fact that, you know, tone is important, body language is important, like there are so many things that portray your intent other than simply the words that you're saying. And so yeah. there's, yeah, there's so much nonverbal communication that goes along with verbal communication. Yeah, abs absolutely, absolutely. I think it's um, super cool when you think about societies or cultures that have kind of codified some of that, like yeah. with, the hand, with the hand mudras in, you know, classical Indian dance or like, you know, Italian culture where like their hands are doing things and, you know, um, it's a whole thing. Right. Or I think about, I, I, <laughs> with my <laughs> friends, I, I warn them that I tend to have a, what I call yelling conversations through the bathroom wall um, <laughs> because <laughs> growing up in a Jewish household, that's how half of our conversations took place was yelling to someone that you were in the bathroom. I love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, <laughs> if I want, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. I realize I'm like, oh, this may seem like either A, I'm not paying attention because I walked off to the bathroom. B, I'm upset because I'm speaking in a loud voice. Yeah, <laughs> like really? I'd like to, yeah, there's all sorts of other ways this could be interpreted. And so I'm like, hey, let's talk about it before I accidentally like yell to you through the bathroom door. <laughs> and you and you take it the wrong way, right? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. No, it's, it's like, a, it's a real thing. It's, it's a really real thing. I remember um, a situation in which I was in my apartment building and um, my partner was playing really loud music, right? Mm -hmm. So I stepped out into the hallway of, you know, right outside my apartment and I'm holding a beer yeah. and um so I'm talking to my friend who's incidentally named Laura on the phone. And I'm like, Laura, blah, 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 blah. And I look over the railing that leads downstairs because I'm, you know, to looking down to the, mm -hmm. you know, and I see these like police officers, like, you know, kind of milling about and I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I retreat back to the front of my door and I keep talking to Laura Okay. And the cops come rushing up the stairs. And oh. it's, very, it's very interesting because they had seen my body language in, with, in which I withdrew. 
and they were like, this person is doing something bad and withdrawing from us. I mean, it's just very interesting how people read body language and how there can be more than one thing that your body language um, means. So I'm like, I'm like, Hey, Laura, um, this is weird. Let me call you back. Okay. Get off. So we get off the phone with Laura and then the cop's body language becomes super interesting because they circle me and they start like closing in the circle. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this with, with people's body language and how people are communicating in different ways. And, um, you know, so I'm just like, so what's going on? And, And they're like, um, why did you run away? And I was like, well, I didn't really, but you know, I'm on the phone. So I don't know what you guys are doing. I just on the phone and they're like, where do you live? And I'm like, right here. You know, I'm standing, I'm standing in front of my apartment door, which is slightly slightly ajar. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, right here. And they're like, what are you doing in the hallway? And I was like, well, having a conversation with my friend. Um, It's just a little loud in there right now. Yeah. And they keep closing in. Like it's, Whoa. It's, really, it's very interesting. And keep in mind, the only people in the hallway are me and them. And there's like oh four. My God. And so they keep like moving closer. And then I realized that they're trying to instigate some movement in right, me. Because they're like, approaching upon your movement. Yeah. Like, I, like they want me to like freak out or something. And, and I'm not doing that because I kind of, I think, why am I not doing that? I need, I need to figure that out. Yeah. Cause that does sound, I mean, I can feel it's like a, right, my heart rate right, is going up, like listening. Right. 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 So, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying, oh my God. Right. So, so I'm like, let me understand why I did not freak out at this point. And I think I didn't freak out cause it was just absurd that, yeah. that they were thinking I could possibly be doing anything other than listen, you know, tagging my friend Laura in front of my apartment. Right. Right. And, and, and so I was like, um, and so, so I was like, yeah, no, I'm just, you know, and they're like, okay, well, you're, you're not allowed to drink a beer in the hallway. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you, are you sure about that? <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, no, it's, it's the law. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's when did that become the law? And, you know, you know, it's like, so they're closing in more. And then my partner like opens the door and is like, how long are you going to be out here? Basically. Yeah. And yeah, see, yeah, yeah. And sees, you know, he's like, where he sees the cops and he's like, Oh, uh, Cop. and they're like, Hey, what's going on? And then they disperse yeah. like a light has been shone on them or something. They disperse. Wow. And the reason they disperse is because my partner, um, is white passing. So mm-hmm. I think they were like, Oh, white guy. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. But I think that what's in there for me is just thinking about body language and yeah. how, how someone who seems like they're running away may just be busy. How somebody who seems like they're shouting through a bathroom wall at you because they're mad may just be literally far away from you and trying to make sure you hear them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what we have to say and thinking how we instigate um reactions in other people with our bodies also, you know? Um yeah. like what yeah. you had said about 
that when you're doing buto, you are telling the poem through your body and thinking about what you just said, like those cops were also telling you a story with their bodies. Like that's terrifying. And that would incite you to feel like those feelings of, you know, do I need to panic right now? Like, I know that this is absurd because I'm standing in my own hallway. Like I could imagine though, feeling feeling the intent of that because that feels menacing when people are closing in on your space. That's such a good word. That's a re- I love I love that. That's a really good word, menacing. I love that. That's that's really that's a really really good word. Thank you. Yeah, and your yeah. description of it I was just like, "Oh my god," cuz like of course you were you were going about living your life talking to your friend on the phone. Like there is, yeah, I'm just like, and even like reading that intent into your action of running away because you had turned your back to walk back into your home. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's lots of ways to think about what things mean. And, you know, when I did, when I did um, this EP, this For the Love EP, Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how I set out originally. It wasn't like, I'm going to think about the different ways that we think about love or something. But as I was making different songs, it started to occur to me that that's another space in which there's so many different ways that we force people to move, so many different ways that we communicate things to people that could or could not be this this thing called love. And there's so much, um, there's so much art, I feel like devoted to, to exploring that because it's another one of these things that instigates such movement um, in us and such feeling, you know, in a totally intersensorial way. Yes. Yes. One of, um, one of my friends had just posted about that very thing that she was talking about how the English language lacks so many words for love and thinking about what a culture values by what words they have mm-hmm. and thinking about you know even in like ancient greek there were multiple words for different kinds of love and she was talking about like in inuit languages like all the words for snow and like things like that we're talking about well what what's meaningful to a culture how many words do they have for it how many shades of meaning and thinking about how we not devalue certain kinds of love in our society, but simply don't speak about them because we don't have the words for them. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. If you don't, and something that I've wondered a lot, if you don't have a word for something, does, does it still exist? I mean, th- thinking about like our audio gear, we both knew what yeah. the, like, the weird black <laughs> dome with the, with the foam inside of it thingy that you put on your microphone. <laughs> like, like, but that's that's not an efficient way to talk about things. <laughs> like, so, so this is this is really interesting. So, I come from this really really old culture, right? Um, um, I'm African, and specifically, I come from the Edo people, mm-hmm. and there are by like literally there are some accounts where you know people think that we may have been where we were almost forever so yeah yeah so super super old culture right um and as a result like a, a lot of the languages are really old there's 512 living languages in Nigeria but um so yeah so lots of language right because lots of different ways to say things of course um yeah 
but um, I've always been fascinated by how I love you is said. Hmm. Um, so in my dad's language, it said, and in my mom's language, it's, I'm probably not saying it. My mom's is correctly. I'm more familiar with my dad's, but mm-hmm. and I've, I've tried to like break that down hmm. um, to really understand what it, what it's saying. And I think it comes out to, I have it that has for you. Wow. And I just think that's so fascinating. I could just like sit with that forever and be like, it that has, like it that has, that's what I have for you. Like that this thing of having versus not having, existing versus not existing, but having is like all about connecting, right? And getting to be heard and, and, and that's what I have for you. Like, it's almost like a, like, it's an equation. It's, it's mathematics almost having it that has for you is wow. loving you. Um, yeah. And it speaks to that idea of, you know, kind of when it like the totality almost of love is what popped in my mind. I would hesitate to say a totality. I think, I think I might want something that was almost more like oppositional binaries and it was like a yes versus a no or a one versus a zero. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Like it's because, because it, it definitely is about a presence and an existence of something, you know, but, but that it is that it's there you know, that it's, it's, it, it almost lives. I think about relationships sometimes as a thing onto themselves, separate from the people that are in it. Yeah. Like you and me, and then there's our relationship, which is like yes. this thing we're both having and working on and feeding or not. Some people are not feeding their relationships. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And that, I think, factors into loss, especially where not only do you lose the person, but then you lose all the yeah. relationship, that thing that was there, that, that it doesn't exist with other people. Of course, you can form relationships with other people, but it will never be that relationship that you had with that person. Listen, that just hit me so hard. Um, oh, my God. Um, that's really heavy, actually, thinking about there being this loss that is a presence and that that presence separate from the person or people you have it or had it with being gone is you know it's like it's like when you break up with somebody or you slid up or something and people will sometimes say it's like a phantom limb yeah um, and that and, that, and then the other thing i've realized is that when you do break up with someone the thing for me anyway, when a person is not there anymore, that I miss the most is things that I can share with them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the giving. It's the, oh my gosh, I wanted to tell you about this, or so-and-so would love this book, yes. or I wonder if they've seen this. You know, it's just all this stuff that you want to give. And it totally is this it that has, because it that has is a pot that has stuff in it. And if that's what I have for you, then it's about these things that I want to give you. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I, I literally just visualized that even in my, it, like in my mind's eye, I saw like almost like this cute little cauldron of all the wonderful things that I liked. Mm -hmm. friends. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I think, I think that's real. I think, I think that's, I think that's really, really real. Yeah. I think that's real. You know, Pam, I don't actually know. Um, you know, I almost feel I feel a little challenged by um this podcast today to to like there there's a disjunctiveness from the place of heaviness that a lot of my feelings are in right now. Like yeah. I've been I've been writing a lot of think pieces about um like I recently wrote a thing for an art for a, an artist blog called the face on the $20 bill. Mm -hmm. um, and that piece is very, is like about how African-Americans have like done all this work for America, like for free for the civil rights movement. Like, you know, they've just like worked their asses off worked yes. and been, been worked to death and all this stuff and how like they don't even get to we because, you know, those are my relatives, we don't even get to have our face on the $20 bill yeah. that George Floyd was, like, accused of maybe having, like, passing past a counterfeit of. And just thinking about how there's this, like, total absence of vestedness and ownership for Black people in America. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, and, and I feel like that's what hate is. That's what not love is. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, because if there is a pot that has, if there's a beautiful cauldron, and I'm also thinking about um, the Black Cauldron, that book, and like how just like, did you ever read that? No. Now I'm like, oh my God, it's an I'm amazing series from like, it's by Lloyd Alexander. I read it when I was a kid, I was like into all that fantasy stuff. But the point is thinking about how there's this cauldron that when you love, you have for people and there's stuff in it you want to share. And I'm like, where is the stuff for the African-Americans? Yeah. Like when, you know, and the article I wrote, I hope people will check it out. Again, it's the face on the $20 bill mm -hmm. is just about how like Harriet Tubman, for example, escaped, and she's the one whose face is supposed to be like on there. Yes. But the Trump administration is like, no, we're not doing this. Um, and so this woman who is like a God to me, I just am amazed by like her tenacity. I cannot conceive of just the amazing, like I can't, I'm in awe. So she not only escapes slavery herself, which is like already hard enough as a woman, right? back then especially, right. like dogs and swamps and all this stuff. So she not only escapes slavery, then she goes back at least 70 more times. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we are walking here. Do you feel me? Like walking on the legs, like, like walking, like long distances, like you know, there's no airplane and right. I don't even know what clothes is she wearing? You know, where, how do you even get food? Like you you don't go to the local McDonald's and like order a burger. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like people are still grinding grain and stuff. And she does this at least 70 times, saves all these people. And then she works for the Union Army as a spy. Yeah. 
like hello I'm gonna do more for these people and I'm just like she doesn't even get her face on the money and like you can't give you haven't given her shit like that to me not vesting people like in the plan that everybody else is getting to be in like not giving these people a stake some land some ownership some something that is antithetical to love yeah and i and i think that that's the hate that we're seeing the country like deal with right now um i think that's it i think it's about having it that has and that they do not have it that has um yeah, yeah. and thinking about I was watching a video that a woman had posted about specifically like the destruction of property. And she points out rightly, so this isn't our property that we're destroying. We don't have property. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the crux of the issue is that in our culture, especially property is personal value. And yeah. when you devalue people, not just in your words, but in your actions and in their property, especially when those people are the ones who had built your society like that's justified that's right. that's like 110% justified and well, i'm like yeah well it also reminds me of um this other aspect of edo culture and the edo people and you know the benin empire from which from which i am sprung um that i think really relates to what your podcast is about too so the intersensoriality of our culture um, also existed in relation to objects. So the way that we, like our descriptors, our adjectives and stuff, our colors um, make sounds to oh, us. Oh, wow. So um, the color red has a sound that goes um, the, the color black, so, you know, red is ba, black is hui hui, white is fo fo, and, you know, they have sounds that go with them. Hmm. So, so, and, you know, a lot of this stuff is lost and forgotten because um, we were colonized by the British, and they, like, li literally, like, burned everything down and looted, like, thousands of artworks and, you know, all this stuff, because, you know, this is a long history. It's not just, right. like, you know, they're like that's the thing that there's this like reckoning, this whole deep thing, like very, very long thing of like people taking and not putting anything back in the pot. Right. So, um, so if somebody, an Edo person were to wear an outfit that was like red and white and black, um, because of the sounds, like it would make the sound of thunder. Oh. You know, and and that's one example. And what that's to say when you stretch these things out is that objects actually speak. They make sounds. You get what I'm saying? Um, if I wear something and I've really given thought to it, it could be deciphered out as a poem, a statement I was making. And what this does when you think about the fact that this is a culture, that this is a way that a human peoples, a peoples have decided to structure their society as far as language and different ways of experiencing stimuli and so on. What that does when you focus that lens on some of the descendants of that culture, which 
lots of African-Americans come from West Africa, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. When you focus that lens on that, I think that it starts to really make you think about objects and how they're talking to us and what it means when you pass this money around, this, this fetish commodity object that's got all this power and not one single Black person, not one single person of color. Right. I mean, like, you know, I don't even have to stay in the realm of talking about Africans. I could talk about the Chinese building the railroads and like, they're not on the money. Nope. You know, and, and I think that there's this like big pot in this country and there's just nothing in it for all these people that have contributed. And it's exactly back to what you were just saying about burning things down because those things are talking, these statues that people are tearing down, these buildings that people are burning, they're talking and they're saying, you don't matter to yeah. those people. They're saying, you don't belong here. You are nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty crazy to have objects telling people that they're nothing that they yeah. have no value. Yeah, and to even thinking about even speaking that to a person, there are so many people that I think that even who say things like, oh, I don't believe in the rioting and why are they destroying things? You know, they don't realize that the objects are saying that because they wouldn't even have the, I don't think courage is the right word, maybe audacity to say to someone to their face, you don't matter, but they will show that through their actions and they will show that through their statues and their objects and their art and their money. Well, I think that there are lots of people that would say you don't matter. I mean, I, I've had people tell me that. I had an astronomy um, professor when I was in um, my sophomore year of college at the University of Michigan, I believe, who told me, you're never going to be good at this. Just don't bother. You know, like black people aren't aren't good at this thing. So I think that... I, I think that the audacity is definitely there. Otherwise, um, slavery wouldn't have happened. And it's, you know, it's descendants of Jim Crow and so on and so forth. I, and, and I think that if we go back to this place where there are more, there's more than one way of saying things and that we talk not just with our words, but with our our bodies, you know, our eyes, our music, and so on and so forth. Like, I don't know if you heard that Lady Antebellum is like, oh, snap, um, our name is like, we should really think about it. We're, we're going to drop the Antebellum, you know. Whoa, I, one, no, I haven't heard about that. And two, yeah. I'm glad that you did speak to the audacity because I think that in a lot of ways being white passing I am shielded from that. And so you pointing it out to me is a good thing so I can see it. I love that you said that because I have some of these same discussions with my partner where he is also white passing and he's like, no, like, you know, and I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Trust me. Um, and, you know, so I think that I think that the audacity is absolutely definitely there. And, you know, when I think about a band like Lady Antebellum being like, yeah, we're going to name our band after the time when all the Black people were enslaved. 
And, and, you know, that's audacious to me. I don't know. Like, I just, you know, it's a little audacious. And like, it's, what's interesting is that they're like, oh, we didn't think about this that deeply. And like, right now on the internet, on Twitter, there's like all these black people that are like, but we told you, we told you. And like, hello, like, I know that. And like, hello, you know, and, but, but, but I think that that's the thing that like the whole world is talking, everything's talking. There's lots of different ways to talk. The objects are talking. We're able to connect and make relationships with these objects, with these plants, with these, with people, with like, and there's so many different ways of communicating and it's all saying to these people, you don't matter. And it's like, when they're like, all right, well, we'll burn the shit down. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, makes sense. Yeah. You know, understandable yeah. that you might be like, we got to get rid of all this stuff <laughs> that's telling I, us we don't matter. Don't matter. You know? yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, listen, um, we, we went, we, we hitchhiked the galaxy. <laughs> we really did. And that's, that's my favorite thing to ever come out of this project that was started in the interest of talking to people who had multiple interests, but has spiraled into so much more. And I, I can't say enough how much I value your time today, because when we were scheduling it, I was like, this is a terrible time. I hope he's getting time to rest and decompress. And like, oh my God, <laughs> like, I was like, I, should I talk to her today? Should I just like, I'm, like, I was like, I'm sure she's overwhelmed and flooded right now. So the fact that you did take the time to talk so that I can amplify your voice, I really value that. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, when I found out what it is that you do, I also felt like, whoa, she's working really hard right now. And I hope, like, I was just thinking like, you know, about the energy that you expend in doing what you do and also thinking about your, your well-being. And I, and I think that considered space holding um, is just what we have to do with each and for each other, you know, but yeah, I have been super overwhelmed and it, it's definitely a very, very hard time. It's like 2020 is not letting up. No, whoever wrote 2020 was really heavy handed. Listen, like, um, I don't know if you've heard about the new mosquito thing. So like, I know we had the murder hornets. Yeah. What happened to the murder hornets? They're still out there. And the thing is like, everybody seems to have forgotten about Zika. I have not. Um, But in addition to the murder hornets, there's this new like mosquito thing that's like spiraling out of control. It's like called EEE. That's the acronym. It's like encephalitis something. And now that's like taking people out. And I'm just like, come on. What? You know, like, where does it stop? What? I'm like, so tired. (laughs) Seriously. I'm just like, what? No, we just, we need to be out here protesting. Are we just going to be, okay, fine. I'll pass out sunblock and bug spray now. That is. (laughs) Listen, listen. I know I've heard, I've heard people make the, you know, make the complaint or point out, you know, listen, we were so worried about COVID why do people think it's okay to be out protesting? And I, and I have an answer for that. And the answer is that there's an immediacy yes. to the, the impending death that 
black and brown people are facing in hospitals, on the streets, like literally in their own apartment buildings, talking to their friend Laura on the phone. You know, I think that there's kind of, and so it's sort of like, okay, I could die in, you know, three weeks from something else, or I could die right now. And, you know, from the cops. And so I'm, I'm going to protest that because I, because I think that when you have people like murdering each other in broad daylight on the street, that it's kind of like a, that's more urgent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, the whole, whoever wrote 2020, my God, like, I feel like it would never have been greenlit. Like, <laughs> yet, you know, it would have been like, no, this is, it's a little on the nose, you know, it <laughs> just, it's so like, much. It goes a lot of places. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just, it's just all over the place. And like, speaking of people that don't have it, that has like, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what, like, I heard that Trump is about to hold his like white power rally. Oh yeah. Like on Juneteenth. On Juneteenth. And I'm just like, why is this guy even like, come on, you know, like he's not, he's like 2020. He's like the perfect represent representative. You know, he's like not even trying to hide it, you know? Um, that like yeah. literally my brain just went like oh that is so spot on he is yeah. the human embodiment of 2020 he really is like think about listen has he stopped has he stopped have the people gotten a chance to stop protesting like they were protesting his whole immigration thing and it was like the most people that have ever protested ever on earth uh-huh. and now you know and now it's just like going and going and i'm just like gosh um I just, I hope that we all start to put things in that pot and that what we have for each other just ends up being so much bigger than anything that he's taking away. I hope that we, you know, just do the math and get more and that, you know, it's just like he, he can't take enough away from us to lose what is supposed to be so brilliant about the American experiment. Yeah. And I just had the thought that I was like, one, white people need to restock the pot. Two, then we need to give things in the pot to other people. Like that's the point of stocking your pot is not to just carry around a cauldron of all your things. It's so that you can give them to people. (laughs) Like Listen, (laughs) listen, because, because the thing is, because it's, it's back to what we were saying when, when you lose a person in your life. It's back to what we were saying that what you end up missing is the ability to give. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you end up missing the most is like, oh, I could have shared this. Oh, I could have had this conversation with them. You know, oh, we could have talked about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. When you were speaking about George Floyd's brother, that's what I thought of, of like, just the grief that he must be holding that Breonna like her family is holding like can't imagine yeah and the the outpouring I saw like so many people were sending birthday cards and I had you know been sending donations and I had been circulating petitions about the arrest of the people who killed her and knowing that it's like they can't give more like that person isn't there anymore and so it's like that's what we're fighting for is that like we want to give to people and we can't do that when they're taken away no, we can't. And there's been so many people that have been taken away. We just have there, you know, there is this monumental deficit 
monumental. And, um, you know, I, I do think that there are lots and lots of allies, like love, love has a lot of allies. You know, I think real love is one of those things. I don't think our president is capable of love, but um, I think that real love is one of those things that when you have tasted of it, that you realize that it literally is what makes the world go round. Because um, otherwise there's only zero, you know, it's yeah. one and the opposite is zero. And zero is not living. It's, it's an absence of, of living and being. And I would rather be than not be. I know you can't see me, but I just nodded in agreement. I hear that. Yeah, I was like, I am, I am very, very much nodding to that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. If the option is essentially existence or non-existence, like zero not loving is not being. Mm-hmm. That's very profound. Mm-hmm. I'm still nodding. Me too, actually. Now, now we're both just because I'm. I am nodding too. I am forever grateful that having the idea to talk to people sparked this. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you that you thought about um, the fact that people are more than one thing and do more than one thing, and that you have you know, held a space to talk to people about that. You know, I feel grateful for that because it's been the bane of my existence in certain ways because it's like, you know, I've, I've heard you do too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can't categorize you, your music, your whatever. There's just so much, you know, pick one thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't, I'm multilingual. Like, you know, that's, that's just how I was made. And, and the thing is, I think it's a blessing. Um, it has helped me see and understand and see not from like the ableist perspective, but I mean more comprehend, Yes, you know, or, yep. or witness, witness, you know, it's, it's helped me witness more. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that though some people may be more multi-dimensional than others I think that we all are and I think that exploring that is valuable because we aren't all defined by one thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely oh well talking to you you've also inspired me to move around I've been like low-key just doing like stretches and movements while I'm talking to you which I don't usually do in interviews but felt inspired while speaking to you that's so amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've been I've been thinking for a while that it would not be a bad idea for me to do a buto lesson for people on um, Instagram or something. You know, because it can be such a cathartic and transformative um, art form. It's it's a real it's a real tool to kind of escaping the confines of our bodies and our minds and a static um, perception of our environment. So I've been thinking that when I have some energy and feel called that, you know, that's something I may, I may do. Well, 
one, get some rest first. Two, I would love, love, love that one. Yeah, <laughs> like, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's sick. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, you deserve all of the breaks right now. And also I'm really excited when you do do it. <laughs> that is, that is, that is so awesome. I love it's been, it. I'm, it's been I'm really cool. Yeah. I'm psyched. I'm psyched to be here with y'all today. Oh, I was just like, thank you. And I, I seriously do want to thank you again, because yeah, it's been, it's been a tumultuous time. And I think the tumult is obviously for extremely good reason, but that doesn't make it less tumultuous. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think it's kind of like that use your words thing too. Like we, we have to talk through it. You know, we have to probe the different ways in which it it affects us and you know there has to be honesty and and vulnerability also um you know in there i think that we're we're realizing that there's something different about this time yeah. because because there is no pretense right now at the flouting of established norms yeah there's there's none. Like, I think one of the uh, army generals um, who kind of walked Trump across the Black Lives Matter plaza or wherever he went by mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to go do that photo op oh, in St. John's Church, um, he just he just apologized. He was like, you know... Um, the military in this country is really supposed to be man- maintaining this apolitical, like, you know, thing that's like about protecting the people of the, I mean, what is the country without the people? Hello. You know, yeah. and, yeah. And, I, and I think it's like, wait, tear gassing priests. Yeah. Excuse how, me. Yeah. How does shooting, that protect someone? Shooting, what? shooting priests with rubber bullets. I mean, there's this, there's this like, this is not normal. I mean, oh. it, it's just not normal. And, you know, there is a lot of crazy violence in this country. And, you know, I'm like working on this other article right now that's just drawing the connection. And some of the research I've had to do has been about the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, my God. And and when you read about the stuff that they did to people, you're like, Oh, that sounds like what we're watching police and yeah. the president do to people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing about the Klan is that they, yes, they targeted mostly black people, but they were fine to go after white people too. Oh yeah. If they were if they were um supporting black people. Mm-hmm. So so and and then there's this whole like perversion of like religion that's happening with them yes and it's like okay so tear gassing priests okay okay yeah like this is something y'all would do it's bizarre I think I think we're watching this this like diseased like you know um member or something just kind of like all the pus is exploding and we're yeah it reminds me of seeing like I don't know how to describe it other than like like a disease temper tantrum. It's like watching. Oh my god! It, it's like watching someone like that you've told no, and so they think if they tantrum that you will say yeah. It's like the last burst of whatever awfulness they think is going to accomplish their goal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not knowing that it's doing the exact opposite. Uh, yeah, we like we're all horrified. Yeah, we're all um, just like so we're protesting police brutality and the police response to that is brutality. Right. I'm like, what you, what, yeah, because they, like, I never thought that I would utter the phrase, my friends filmed police ambushing protesters from the CBS lot at Beverly and Fairfax. Like, never would I have thought that I would have uttered that sentence. Well, I never thought that I would have heard or read the president basically instigate essentially the shooting of American citizens. Like, I, I, there's just not, it's just not the thing that you generally see. But I think that, you know, I think that Trump's campaign, um, it presaged this. And I think the difference was some people were really listening. Yep. And some were not. Yep. And some of those who were really listening were about it. That's, you know? that's I think that you just like, hit it on that that some people there are several people I know who had voted for Trump and who have apologized which I'm like cool I actually appreciate it when someone admits yeah. they were wrong as opposed yeah. to the American ideal of doubling down on being wrong right. like right. kudos kudos for that I'm like okay you you did an oopsie but then there are people who genuinely actually are fired up by his platform because that is what they believe like oh there are people God. who hear it and recognize it for what it is and are on board for it. I think I think that's the thing though, you know, I that's that's the painful, confusing part of so much of this that at the end of the day, all this useless division based on skin color and this, you know, fraudulent thing that doesn't really exist biologically called race yes. and gender. And like, I think that's the crazy and sad part is that it's really just about separating yeah. this, all, all these people who should really be united in their common, you know, desire to have enough. Yes. And to you know? have, to have baseline needs met yes like like i think that's that's the sad that that's the really sad part is that you have you know angry poor white people that are like mad and like you know go trump you have some jewish you have you have there's some there's some african-americans that are in there supporting trump yes a handful a a sprinkling you know and and it's absurd um (laughs) but it's but it's all just sad you know and and i don't I don't know how you explain to those people, you know, um, I don't know what people need to develop empathy for someone else's suffering before that suffering reaches them. You know what I mean? It's like so many people are like content to let somebody else suffer. Yes. And then when it gets to them, they're like, oh, wait, this is bad. That brought up, I was talking to a friend of mine who just started going to one of the groups for Black Lives Matter, but it's specifically for white allies in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, And because she was saying, she's just like, I want to learn to be a better ally and I want to do multiple things, but I I need to learn more. And I was like, cool, cool. Um, But she said something that one of the facilitators said that you have to, in some ways, uh, encourage people to find a personal stake in a movement so that you can foster empathy 
because people don't have a personal stake, they will lose energy, they'll lose focus on it, because there's only so far that their empathy will stretch. And so so she was having people share um, stories of like times that they felt outcast, or they felt devalued, or things like that, Mm -hmm. so that she could then analogize it to how people are feeling. And I thought that that was like a really interesting recognition of the fact that like, people want to sometimes feel empathetic, but might not even be able to access it. And it's like, well, how do you tap into that? Like, how do you spark someone to feel that empathy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you recognize that this is also your problem? Yeah. To spark those mirror neurons. It's like, you have to remind them of like, Hey, remember that time you're in pain too? Right. Right. That's, right. Yeah. Right. Well, well, you know what, you know what, what that, what that reveals a bit to me is that we have not concretely articulated yet the movement for the rights, the civil rights of Black people um, in terms of human rights that we, we yes. all want. You know, I think, I, I don't know if it's like a, it's supposed to happen in a civics class, so we all grow up knowing it or something, but there are so many rights that we have in America now that directly came out of the civil rights movement. And it's like, you know, it it was a big favor that they, they did for us. And um, it's, it's interesting thinking that, you know, it needs to be spelled out for people sometimes, but it does, it does make sense. It does make sense. This is the space in which I also feel super lucky. And the reason is because for the first seven years of my life, you know, I was living in a predominantly black country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason it's important is because I got hard coded and hardwired to exist without racism. You know, so that's, that's my, without experiencing it. So that's my baseline. You know, my, my core is not feeling less than, right. You know, and so then when you come to a country where that's just what they do over there and that's what they're based on, that's what they're founded on. I mean, you know, first slave ship comes to America, lands on these shores in Virginia, I I believe 1619 and um, Mayflower compact or whatever, Mm -hmm. 1620, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it like predates the the thing of this yeah. country. It's like, it's the thing. It's like they had it in hand when they came over and it's yeah. like built the country. And, you know, when you grow up without that, it's, it can be very, very visible. And um, it's definitely just something that has robbed my life of tons of opportunities. I, you know, you come to America and if your skin is dark enough or whatever, you will just experience, you know, a lot of racism, pretty much, you know, housing. I mean, it's just like, it's endless. Um, But yeah, yeah, but, but still having that seven years Hmm. where what having brown skin, having black skin did nothing. Right. um, Is, is very, very, um, it's very important. It's very I was going to say, and that's like the formative years of someone's life, mm-hmm. like the two years of mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's super lucky. It's super lucky. And like, I think that um, I, see a, I see Africans sometimes, I see a lot of Africans not really understand the 
African-American experience. And that's part of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're just not experiencing it. And you're like, why aren't they successful? You know, why aren't they all making it? Like, they must not be working hard enough. They right. Must- There's that core that inside <laughs> of you, if you're told... If you're told from the moment you're born that you don't matter versus being told that you do matter and that it's not even a factor and then encountering you don't matter, that would then, you know, I would imagine triggering you a feeling of like, oh, but I do. You're telling well, me I don't, but I know that I do. Yeah. I mean, well, well, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a different, the plant is, is healthier Yeah, in, in essence. But, but what I will say about that is that it's certainly, I think, been, challenging for a lot of white people who were in positions to give or not give me opportunities. Um, I think that um, being someone who fundamentally understands myself as equal um, has definitely been scary to, to some people who, you know, it's like, well, that's, mm, I, I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable with that. You know, people feel like they're losing something if somebody else gets as much as they do and they're used to getting more. Yes, you know, they yes. Feel like, that, they feel like yes. they're losing something. It's that adage of like when equality looks like punishment <laughs> because you're used to, <laughs> you're used to having everything. The thing is when we are giving and part of this is like that gift economy theory and stuff, but part of what's happening when we're giving again is we're getting to enjoy something. Like I love yeah. when I, when, when I can donate to something yes. that makes me feel good to yes. tell you the truth. That's some of that's just for me. You know, a lot of it is for me. Like I gave money. I feel happy. Like I'm, yes. I'm doing something that is good. Um, and so I think, I think that there's that and that, you know, yeah, you don't want to boast, but the problem is also that, a lot of people who don't love don't understand how many more of us do love. Mm. And so maybe, unfortunately, we have to kind of start talking about what we're doing so that it's just obvious how much is happening. You give, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because, because I, I see, I see how, it's good to recognize that we're doing this for ourselves when we give. Um, I'm helping make the world better for myself, for my kid, for her kids, you know, but then also maybe people need to know that they're not alone in their struggle. Yeah. You, you, you get what I'm saying? It's, it's hard to know. Maybe it's about a conversation. Like, Maybe, and maybe that's what it's about, that it's about conversation and communication specifically. Yeah. And that people, that you, you do have to tell people, I love you. They, they can't just know. Um, yeah, I think that that's so interesting. Like, I don't know if you've had this situation, but sometimes, uh, especially dudes, will say to me, like, how did, how did you not know that I liked you? I oh did this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, you didn't say the words I like you? <laughs> Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think that there are just times that call for the unequivocal statement. There, there are times. And I think Black Lives Matter is one such statement, you know, um, that it just needs to be unequivocal. We need to make that statement, you know, um, because, and this comes down to 
the performative abilities of language. Like a judge sits somewhere and says, I pronounce you like married or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now it has been done. It's it's happened because they said that. And the someone language, said those words. Yeah, the language transformed something. And I, I think that some there are other situations that call for that also, you know, in in the world. How about we just put the people on the money who did all the work for the country, uh-huh. put their names on the buildings and give them their fucking money for all the work they did and fix the laws and all that and get rid of all these cops. How about we do all that? And then like, we're going to ha- get to stop worrying so much about who said what. Yeah. You know, yeah. how about, how about we, how about we make those things real, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then we're also just all like being forced to examine yes. ourselves and, you know, what, what we've been doing and how our actions have contributed or not contributed. And the thing is that love is a verb, you know, it's, yes. it's active, it's active. And so's allyship. Um, and so is the work of anti-racism. Yes. And, and, you know, and so I think that like, I get people wanting to see things being done and, you know, we're just going to have to keep proclaiming until freedom is ringing from everywhere, you know? Yes. Thank you so much, Pam. I appreciate you. Thank you, Edo. I appreciate you too. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we ended up getting to talk. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who has been absolutely amazing. Thank you again, and I look forward to next week's episode. (laughs) 